Welcome to Rogue Bogues basketball series. Myself, Mike Procopio here for another week. We're, we're a couple of days earlier with the drop of the pod because I'm traveling for the NBA, NBA, NBL finals. Sorry, let me get that out. And um, we'll get as much info out as we can. Some of the games will only be two or three games this week. So we'll do our best, pro. As usual, fucking employee of the year. You know, I had a, you, know, you throw me curveballs in the middle of the week. I got to, you know, I performed, said, no problem, Bogues. I got you covered. I always say yes, fucking model employee. Yeah, blame the Sydney Kings for evening the series. So, um, and then going up 2-1. <laughs> uh, so we'll touch on that a little bit later. But let's get rolling with our team of the week. Who do you have this week? Bogues, team of the week, Sacramento Kings. I don't think I had the Kings uh, in a decade as my team of the week. So I'm going to go with them. You know, had some impressive, uh, impressive victories this week, beating uh, New York and New Orleans the last two, lost to Minnesota, and then um, eh, beat OKC twice in a row and also beat the Clippers. Shocker that the Clippers lost another game. But um, yeah, I have, uh, you know, I got Sacramento. They've been playing well, man. You know, everybody's sort of a well-oiled machine with, you know, Fox, Herder, Barnes, Murray, Sabo- uh, led by Sabonis, 19 and 12. Sabonis getting some, like, MB- uh, MVP love. I don't even want to start a fucking debate, but I'm saying, like, not, like, should win the MVP, but somebody they're mentioning as, like, their fifth and sixth guy on their list, so which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, Mike Brown, I think, should run away with Coach of the Year this year without question. So he's done a great job. Those guys have played well. That bench isn't great, but they're, you know, they're playing hard for him. You know, Trey Lyles, you know, Davian Mitchell, Malik Monk. I mean, guys are just stepping up. Della Vadova. Um, oh, Della Vadova. My fault. Della Vadova. Um, my, <laughs> my apologies. His 1.4 and 0.4, I forgot. Can't be understated. Yeah, he's doing well for them. But no, they're playing well. So I got I to gotta give it to him. What do you think about Sack, folks? We, we touch on Sack a little bit, but it seems like we don't really go in depth on them too much. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts on those guys? We have previously because they've sucked for so long, but now they're, they're playing really good. They're playing really good basketball. Um, they've snuck into two um, in the West. They're tied with Memphis right now, but they're ahead on on I guess head to head or whatever the the percentage break, the tiebreaker is. But they're they're second at thirty nine and twenty six. I agree. Mike Brown's a lock for the. He's got to be a lock for the coach of the year. There's no doubt in my mind when you take a team that was horrendously bad the last good beat of a decade and, and get him into even if he would have made the top six like mm-hmm. even if they're fifth or sixth at this point I think he's coach of the year right um, they've done a fantastic job there they got a good mix of of youth and veterans you mentioned Trey Lyles Harrison Barnes um, then you got De'Aaron Fox Sabonis you'd probably classify him as a veteran these days Hurd is having a hell of a year we've, we've spoken about him a little bit with um, the useful useless stats with his breakdowns and his shooting percentages and whatnot, he's having a fantastic year. And they just seem like a well-balanced team. Do they have enough to make noise in the playoffs? That's the question. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll probably get into that when it starts. We don't want to – I guess they're, they're, they're on a positive note and they're two, so we want to pump them up. But, yeah, I mean, I still think they're a piece away from being competitive in the playoffs and going deep. But I like I like what I'm seeing. They're building a solid core, solid nucleus. And like I said, when you have a good mix of youth and talent, with the, you know, Mike Brown who's, who's coaching his ass off there – they're deserving of being where they are in the West Pro, so I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that their next step now is obviously getting to the playoffs 
uh, for the first time in a long time and seeing how they go in the, in that moment where it's where it's more grinded out basketball where you need to win four. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, playoffs are always interesting deal. You know, lineups and matchups and. You know, it doesn't matter your seating sometimes. It's just like you match up. How how well do you take as a staff and a, in, in, as a unit? How how much do you take? How well do you take it and punch in the face? You know, somebody taking a first game from you. How can you rebound from that? What what changes you make? I always thought that was pretty interesting, you know, working for uh, Carlisle for six years. Like, we, I think we made the playoffs like three years out of those six or f- and you know the changes after you know after losing heavy or even winning a game, what the other team would do to make changes against us. So it's always a cool thing. But yeah, Sacramento definitely and they're doing well. They're playing hard. You know, Brown Mike Brown's got those guys playing really hard, and uh, it's good to see. It is. I've got. I'm going to shock the world. I'm going with the Lakers. Uh, oh wow! They, uh, Look at you. Yeah, they've, they've had a good week. Um, mm-hmm. Golden State, Memphis, and Toronto. So, you know, pretty solid mid-tier teams there that they'd usually lose to. Um, bit of luck with Memphis, obviously not having Morant, and Golden State are playing like crap right now, The last, at least the last week or two. So, But Anthony Davis was huge in two of those games, huge numbers, didn't really play that well against Toronto, but they still won. The, the trade's starting to rear its head. They, they, they've got some good pieces. Um Russell, Vanderbilt we've spoken about. Schroeder's now coming off the bench and playing well. Reeves is playing really well. Um, it seems like they've found a little balance with LeBron out of the lineup. Now, I'm not saying they're, they're better without LeBron, but it seems like there's a bit of a balance now where the rotations are a bit better and um, they've figured some things out. So it will be interesting to see when he comes back what happens, but you got to give them a shout-out. I mean, we both don't didn't have them mm-hmm. getting their shit together and, and, and making the making the 10. Um, they're ninth as we speak, 33 and 34. Uh, they're one full game ahead of the cutoff, uh, which is the Utah Jazz. And I mean, Utah are starting to look like they're they're probably going to go tank mode um, mm-hmm. to an extent. Uh, OKC, they've really fallen off lately. They're, they're four, both those teams are four and six in their last 10. And then Portland have continued to plummet again. I mean, they're up and down like a yo-yo. They'll go on a five-game win streak and then lose five straight. Um, Spurs and, and Rockets are awash. So there is a chance the Lakers, you know, most most people would, would say they're going to make the 10. And there's a chance they could sneak into the playoffs. So only one game pro behind the sixth spot, which is the Dallas Mavericks, and only one and a half games behind the Clippers in five. So I know the Lakers have a fair few home games coming up. They've had a homestand right now. So that there is a chance they could make it. I'm still not high on them too much, but I have to give them some love as, as the team of the week because they played some good basketball. Folks, without question, um, I, I think that what saved their season, and, I, and I, I've been speaking about him since they made the trade, is Jared Vanderbilt. I, I really think that getting a defensive-minded, don't need the ball in his hands, shooting better from three than you expect, but really giving them some hustle, athleticism, some basketball IQ, you know, with a guy that doesn't have to dominate the ball. And, you know, look, you know, getting Russell and Beasley were great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a big Russell guy. I, I sort of like Beasley. He's been up and down. But Vanderbilt has really shown the ability to, you know, to play defense, protect the rim, run the floor, rebound, doing all those hustle things that um, that a player needs to for that team. You know, Anthony Davis has been playing great. Um, didn't play well, like you said, against Toronto. I watched that. I watched that game, and it wasn't pretty, but, you know, sort of got it done and you know some other guys that are playing well. I, I look. I, I wrote these guys off a long time ago, 
And it'll be interesting to see what happens when LeBron comes back. Look, you know, obviously LeBron makes you better without question. You know, I wouldn't wouldn't be dumb enough to say he doesn't. But, you know, having less guys that dominate the ball and more guys that just sort of move it, move it, move it, and then just run a little bit, you know, really helps your team. So I think with LeBron in the lineup with Vanderbilt and those other guys would be great. I really like Vanderbilt and Davis in the same lineup. And then, you know, guys like Reeves and Lonnie Walker and Beasley, you know, even Troy Brown making shots. So that that's been uh, that's been good to see. So yeah, I mean, we speak the about the Lakers every other story. So I didn't really want to pick them and just sort of pick somebody else. But um, nah, definitely they 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 played well. So yeah, no no real shock there. That's a pretty cool pick. Yeah, notable mentions: Philly, Philly won four straight. They were a candidate, um, and the other one was who else do we have here? Uh, the Phoenix Suns have won four straight, so they've all had weeks. And the Kings went two and zero this week too. So, um, a few notable mentions, but we we shat on the Lakers for weeks on end, and I thought I'd give them some love. But my team of the week, my team of the my no good team, um, I'm going with the Golden State Warriors. They uh, mm-hmm. had a horrid week. <laughs> you know, their last game against Memphis, they gave up forty eight points in the first forty nine forty eight or forty nine points in the first quarter. It was Not the first half, the first quarter. 48, um, which is just ridiculously bad. I mean, they at least that starting group is somewhat on the same page offensively. We've, we've spoken about the disparity between their bench unit being dead last in 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 you know defensive numbers as opposed to their their uh, starting group's top five. So a big disparity there. But that's that's a lot on the starters when you give up that much in the first quarter. So they lost to the Lakers. Who you know is a coin flip? They should beat the Lakers theoretically. OKC they should definitely beat, and they lost to Memphis without Jar Moran after the big um, brouhaha with Draymond and, and and Brooks leading into that game, which I thought would have got them at least a little bit pumped up to try and win that. But um, they never really looked in the game. They made surges and against that Memphis team, and Memphis just controlled the game. But they, you know, that they just continue to be up and down, and and, and this question marks about you know can they can they make a run and get into that six and um, you know, but on the flip side, if if you if if you, if you have you know if they do finish in a plane, you kind of don't want to play them if you're if you're up high. So it makes the West very interesting having them in the middle of the park. Um, they're thirty four and thirty three as we speak. They're tied for six with Dallas, so they're still in the mix. But they they can they could fall out. I don't see them falling out, but they could fall to a nine or a ten if they're not careful. They're only one game above the Lakers, um, who are in who are in nine. So. They have some work to do. Um, there's a chemistry and body language issue still. The Draymond Green clip that was trending with Jordan Poole not not passing the ball um, and him kind of you know not getting back on defense. I'm going to tell people now that's perfectly normal. Uh, happens all the time, especially with the Warriors. They they've played so many tough battles, and and Draymond um, is very reactive emotionally with his body language, but he'll forget about it the next day. He's that kind of guy. Um, you can o- overlook that. I mean, look into it too much and overthink that situation. But with the Warriors, I don't think it's huge. It's a huge deal. Um, it's made a bit bigger because of the punch and everything, but I don't think they have huge issues as far as that goes. Uh, I just think they're just, they're just in cruise control still thinking, you know, we're, we're going to, we're going to make our little run and, and we'll make the playoffs and we don't care what seed we are. We can beat anyone, but, you still need some form, bro. You still need some sort of consistency, some sort of oomph going into the playoffs. Uh, compared to last season, they, they had it last season. They had injuries and stuff last season, but they still had that, and they still still played. You know, two weeks of really good basketball, then maybe lost some games. Whereas this this season, it just seems like 
they're literally yo-yoing. Um, they'll have you know one or two good games, one or two bad games the whole season. So um, I think that they need to they need to figure it out if they want to surge into this playoffs, bro. Bogues, the biggest question I think that for Golden State that has to be asked, and obviously give them some space on this because of what what it could be, but. You know, Andrew Wiggins missing all these games uh, due to a, a, a you know unspecified family matter. You know, I f- I don't even know how many games he's missed in a row. Like he's missed probably at least I want to say a better half of two weeks straight, and no one no one's really speaking about what it is. And look, I don't care what it is. That that's obviously his deal. That's his personal business. But and that's a huge loss for them. You know, having him not in the lineup defensively and offensively really puts them in a bind. Look, even without him, if you're a championship level team, it just should be the next man up. Um, but if, you know, hopefully whatever is going on with him could really sort of get rectified uh, because that's a huge loss for them. I mean, who, who would ever thought anyone saying that like three years ago? But now, you know, sort of the, the switch he's made in his game and the shift. Uh, he's a big part of that team. You know, everyone talks about Steph, Clay, you know, and Draymond, obviously, and, and even Jordan Poole to a certain extent. Um, he's a big part of those, you know, their success. And, you know, guys like him and Looney, him more, you know, obviously because of his off his potent offense at times. So they gotta get him back in the lineup at some point. Hopefully, like I said, whatever happened with that family stuff could get rectified and he can get back to work because without him they got no chance. With him, I do I do believe with their experience and their skill level, um, I think that they could, you know, like you said, I think it'll be an interesting story in the West of having them in the middle of the pack, but they got zero chance, probably even getting out of a round. If well, maybe they can squeak out of a round, but I doubt it. If they're going to be a low seed, and if if, if they don't have him in the lineup, I, I I'm I think it'll be really hard to for them to sort of get themselves out of it. So I think if Wiggins comes back, you know, in a certain amount of time to get his legs under him and and start playing again, I think they have a you know I think they have a strong chance in the playoffs. But without that, that's going to be tough for them. That that's an uphill battle for sure. Yeah, 15 games left for them, so. They uh they need to figure it out quickly. They don't have they don't have much um, currency to, to play with. Who do you have this week? Bogues. Uh, you know, I mean, I think I'm sort of grasping at straws here, but I'm gonna go Denver Nuggets. And you know, look, Denver Nuggets obviously number one team. You know, and everybody's darling team, which they should be. But my only thing is, when you lose to Chicago and San Antonio back to back with Jokic in the lineup. You don't supposed to be doing that over a course of a season, losing to Chicago and San Antonio and doing it back to back. Yeah, in losing to Chicago at home, and gotta put you on the chopping block for that one, brother. You know, even though they've won four out of six, losing those two, gotta put you on there. Plus, come on, it was Denver Nuggets. When the hell are they gonna ever be the team of the week anyway? So gotta gotta strike while the iron's hot, but. Yeah, I mean, not a big deal, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But, dude, you can't lose to those two teams. One team's tanking. One team's really trying to win, and they're still tanking in Chicago. But with San Antonio, they're trying to lose. And to lose to them, eh, I'm not really buying that. But um, now I'm sure they'll get back on track, no question. But, yeah, you lose to those two teams. I got to give you a little shit for it, right? Yeah, that's fine. I mean, yeah, they, they 
Definitely, I saw the result in San Antonio and it scratched my head. And, and Jokic had a that was his, that's the first game pro that he's had triple double and they lost actually too. So, oh, um, this season, this season, yeah. So that's that. Perk's happy at that one. He's probably Perk, Perk was he was at home with pom poms on the couch. You know, I told you, I told you. Um, facts. I get what's the interesting facts. about <laughs> yeah, what's interesting about the Nuggets is they. Um, they're not that good on the road. I mean, we all know how good Denver yeah. is as a home court, the altitude, and I think that gets eradicated a little bit in the playoffs when you've got time to fly in a few days before and adjust to the altitude. Right. But they're only 16 and 16 on the road, pro. So, I mean, for a team that's second best record in the league, um, 46 and 21, they're 30 and 5 at home, which is absolutely sensational. But their road record isn't great. You look at all the other teams that are, you know, doing pretty well, at least out east, they're all they've all got, you know, 20 and 12. Milwaukee Bucks, uh, twenty and twelve. Boston Celtics road records. You know, um, even Sacramento, eighteen and thirteen on the road. So, you know, they need to clean that up because you got to you got to steal a road. If, if they happen to lose a you know home game in one of these playoff series, you got to steal a road game back. So, um, one thing to look out for. But yeah, the Nuggets is fair enough. I mean, we've been giving them a lot of love, and as good as they are, they should not be losing to to those two teams who are who are horrific. I'll tell you one thing, and I don't watch Denver a lot. Like I'll watch Jokic highlights and things, you know, breakdowns and stuff. But and and watch a couple other guys. I'll tell you what, though, he is not very good defensively. I'm not. I look. I'm not nitpicking. I think he's the best player in the league. Oh, well, I think Luka's the best player in the league. But as far as MVP voting, I can see why people will vote Jokic. I mean, don't get me wrong, hell of a player, great player. But defensively, like if I'm if I'm game planning, I'm putting him in. Every pick and roll, if they're going to switch, because you know it—it's literally like he's got eight cinder blocks and on both tied to both legs trying to move. But you know, I watched him. I forgot. I think I watched the Chicago game, and like Levine was coming off pick and roll. They were just like killing him in pick and roll. And you know, look, just a little, just a little thing that I noticed and picked up. I'm sure that you know, I mean, teams got 97 coaches on staff. I'm sure people picked that up. But yeah, defensively, he. You know that's one thing. Like I, I never really looked at much. I just thought you you, throw, you you play him and drop, and he sort of does well because his basketball IQ and stuff. So, but they they well, they, hide, they do a, they they do a good job of trying to hide him defensively. Um, but yeah, as you said, once the playoffs start, and we've seen that the last couple of years with Denver is that you know he's going to be a lot of pick and rolls, and, and then not only and that, hopefully yeah. takes his, and takes his legs from the other end. You know, takes his legs away from from being as effective offensively. So, I mean, Malone's done a fantastic job with. Kind of scheming, scheming to hide his deficiencies. Um, I think he's a good positional defender as a help defender because mm-hmm. uh, he's basketball IQ. But yeah, as far as anything where you need to move your feet and everything's becoming one, they're going to find wherever whoever Jokic is guarding and put them in a pick and rolls. Um, and we'll see some cross matches. Like I, I, I'm sure that whoever they play in the first or second round, they'll end up putting Jokic on like their probably their worst perimeter player and then during that perimeter player to go and set pick and rolls and then live and dying with that. There'll, there'll be some cross matches that are funky um, if teams do go just that straight 1-5 and try to get the switch. So it will be interesting um, and it's a valid point. He's, he's not – but look, most of the MVPs, you know, I mean, Doncic isn't great defensively. Um, mm-hmm. Embiid, Embiid's probably, Embiid and Giannis are probably the two in the MVP uh, running that uh, that are probably the best defensively. Tatum's pretty – you know, he's okay. Um, so yeah, most most of the stars these days aren't playing a whole lot of D, but Giannis and, and Embiid are probably the two best. And I think Embiid needs to even be careful at times with fouls. So it is it is interesting. All right, uh, let's get on to our boy Perkins again. He was put into his place this week, bro, um, for his race baiting rant last week, which was pretty obvious. 
I had a little back and forth with him on Twitter. So you did. He, uh, he replied. He yeah. He replied to me. Um, you know, gave me the carry on, uh, whatever his catchphrase is, and then then he deleted the tweet, pro. So he deleted it after ESPN aired a subtle apology. I don't know if you saw that, but basically yeah, said that Kendrick Perkins' numbers around the white people that vote uh, were not correct, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> so um, very interesting. But within all this, um, I had to get a Charles Barkley quote, and, and this one I love. This one, um, Charles Barkley's quoted as I don't know, I don't think it was related to Perk. I think it was just related to to ESPN shock jocks in general. But he said. I call I call people that you know that go on ESPN and that are regulars. They have the ESPN disease. Um, a lot of these guys, when they get on TV, they're like, "I'm on I'm on ESPN. I got to say something provocative." You're always going to get some, and you're always going to get some fool out there calling in and agreeing with them. Um, and I thought that quote was just spot on. It, it seems like Perky's that guy. Uh, he'll say something to be controversial and to be provocative and something different than anyone else is saying and. Um, this one obviously got it. He got it horrendously wrong. Um, and whenever you try to involve race in these conversations, I think it's, it's it's pretty silly. And I mean, essentially, he's come back to me, and his rhetoric to me was, you know, my privilege um, was was a go to that you know I wouldn't understand because I've got privilege. Um, sure. A migrant, a migrant family who came to Australia didn't speak English. Just full of privilege, pro. But uh, story for another day. But he was rightfully put in his place, and I was actually quite shocked to see ESPN. Put out a statement, bro. Yeah, Bogues. I mean, anytime that anyone of any race, creed, gender starts throwing out like racism as their first argument on anything, unless it's blatantly obvious, then I'm like, give me a fucking break. Like, you can't take him serious. And look, Perk isn't very good at his job, let's be honest. Like, you know. Like, what does he bring to the table? Like, for me, it, having Perk on air, I want to hear about how he sort of, you know, his development process, like, from being, you know, a rookie who barely played his first year or two into being a serviceable center, what it was like to play in the finals, things like that. But, like, I want to hear, like, if you're going to be a role player, which that's what he was his whole career, like, I want to... Like, if you're going to come at me with something like that, I want, like, a thought, like, something that was really thought out well. I want, like, facts in there, numbers, like, things that actually add up. And then when you just throw a race out there and you throw 80% of the view, like, when you're just throwing out numbers, and that's what, look, and don't try to change Perk, because that's what people want now. People want the circus. People want fucking drama. People want like fat like th- statements that are thrown out with no facts behind them, no real evidence behind it. This is what I think, so I'm just gonna throw it out in the world. Like I told you last week, he's a he's a media terrorist. He puts on his vest and he explodes something, and something's gonna stick. And that's what he wants. He wants other people to go behind it, like you just said, and that's what Barkley said. And like, hey. Yeah, maybe it is racism. And then, like, he already did it with the stat pattern thing. And now he tried to throw it in with the race thing. And I'm glad JJ called him out. Stephen A. Smith should have called him out. Because Stephen A. usually does stuff like that when something's, like, really outlandish. As much as, like, Stephen A. gives you a headache sometimes, he does some, you know, he's the actual adult in the room sometimes. And when you're going to throw it at you know, look, if you don't believe that Steve Nash should have been MVP and Dirk shouldn't have been MVP, that's your... That's your, you know, that's your right, right? Go go at it. 
But if you're gonna just throw bullshit out there, like people are you're racist in their in their ways and and all that stuff, it just to me it ruins all your credibility. I I want hard facts. Like give me hard facts. Like JJ Reddick, you might like him, you might hate him, you might have um, blocked him accidentally on your Twitter, like I did. But like at least he comes prepared. He you may not agree with him all the time, you may like him or not. But he comes with like really well thought out, you know, takes on things and usually has stats behind it. You don't agree with everything like the bird thing. I didn't agree with I didn't agree with the koozie thing. But with this, I, I actually like that he actually one person on that set that has balls that actually, actually going to go at him and call him out on that because that was stupidity. That was the definition of a fucking stupid statement. And like, you know, whatever they want to do with him. They want to keep them. They want to suspend them, fire them. Whatever they're going to do, do. But I'll tell you what. That's what people want. They want drama. They want stupidity. And that's what they get mostly in these things. And that's what it was. I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was pathetic. But again, that's what people click on. And that's what people want. They People want, like, want to play victim. They want, like, you know, they want controversy. And that's what they want to throw at. Usually it works. Usually it's a tidal wave of bullshit. I'm glad people actually stood their ground of like, dude, that was a, I, I actually tweeted at him with that uh, Billy Madison line when like, that was the stupidest thought out thing. I'm dumber for even listening to it. But then I deleted it. I'm like, I don't want to fucking deal with that shit. <laughs> but like, I did actually tweet that to him, but I was like, nah, I don't even want to start that. But that was the dumbest fucking thing. One of the top five dumbest things I've heard in a decade. You know, with that, and I'm glad somebody called them out for it. Let's move on. We can move on from it. Yeah. But like, if you got to come at something, have some fucking facts. And that's the thing. Like, it's just always something. And then he'll go at a player, and then somebody will go at him back, and he always backs off. And then Sensei, remember, yeah. yeah, JJ went at him, and he's like, "I didn't say that. I didn't say that." Of course, he said that. And then he goes from, "How do you go from one side of the spectrum to another within 30 seconds?" I didn't say that. I didn't say that. I stated the facts. I stated the facts. Yeah. I was like, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, if, if all else fails, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna yell over you yeah. and just keep repeating the same thing over and over again. I've had many of those arguments um whilst playing the NBA, I can tell you that much. And then, you know, we know how that ends in a locker room generally. It usually ends up in in fisticuffs um because there's more yelling and everyone raises their voice. But uh Anyway, Perk, hope you, hopefully you, you learn from this and, and carry on, Perk. Carry on. Carry on once you've learned from this, buddy. Um, Fred Van Vliet with a uh, press conference for the Ages Pro. Uh, for those that have not seen it, he um, absolutely went bonkers at the referees. Um, shocked it was only a 30K fine, Pro. I'm going to be honest. Uh, usually you get a 30. I mean, back in the day, you'd get a 30K fine for just saying, I thought the refs were bad. You get 30K. But he went absolutely crazy. One of, one of his quotes was, I'll take a fine. Ben Taylor, who's one of the officials, was fucking terrible tonight. And he often goes on to uh, – sorry, then he goes on to um, express that usually there's one out of the three officials in every game that just fucks the game up and just <laughs> thinks it's about themselves and and destroys the whole flow and just went on and on and on. So um, frustration in Toronto. They're not playing great basketball. The rumors of Van Vliet's out of here and – in the future, or out of, out of Toronto in the future, once out, he was on the trade block somewhat, but they, they couldn't find a takeover. But um, I'd assume he's committed somewhere else in free agency. Uh, he's a pretty big name coming up. and But uh, warranted pro? No, no, not, not to what – look, I, I think that 
the extent in which he said it and and sort of the the avenue in which he took was totally unprofessional. And to me, this is just goes to show though I'm sorry, the fine warranted or the statement warranted both. Either or. Uh, the statement definitely not, and the fine was way too low. You're basically telling the whole world you could you could just kick our fucking referees all day, and we're not going to do anything behind it. That to me showed no no loyalty to the referees. Look, referees aren't going to be great every night. That you know, some are going to be average, some aren't. You know, some are going to take some vendettas against players. We've seen that happen before. I don't think that's right, obviously, but. You allow the best through the 510th best player to publicly destroy referees during a game for 48 minutes. All right. I'm not saying they should be victims, but I'm just saying, look, most of those referees are really good. Like, think about it, Bogues. Like, on every possession in an NBA game, it's like 200 possessions plus. Um, Every possession is like seven or eight things that happen in a possession in which a referee has to make a decision on. Foul, no foul. Moving screen, good screen. Uh, travel, no travel. Um, goal 10, no goal 10. You know, foul, no foul. We said that. But like on the ball fouls, off the ball fouls. They're going to miss a bunch of stuff. There's like, there's got to be over 1,200. Now, again, I'm not perk. I'm not saying this is guaranteed. This is just what I assume and think. So this isn't facts. But I got to think there's over 1,200 to 1,400 things that happen in an NBA game that referees got to look at. And yeah, they're supposed to be the best and they're supposed to get it right. But they're going to miss. But I would say, again, no perk numbers. This is actually just guessing numbers. I'm going to say 90% at least they get right, right? And then, again, you take it out on the referee during a game, you get upset, I get it, you're in the heat of the moment, and then you, you think you're getting screwed. Totally get it. But mostly when you start going off on a ref and then you see the film, and then, you know, and then most, like 98% of NBA players that turn to their bench, like you got to, with the, the sign to you know, review it, and that coach is like, hey, fuck off, you, you're totally wrong in this situation. Like the referee usually gets it right. And to look, I think the the I think re- coaches and players ha- should have the ability to say without getting fined. I thought, like, if he's questioned about a call and he thought they got screwed on a call, said I think they got that call wrong. Like, I think they should express something in some type of text in some type of like manner. They they should like call out the referee professionally, in the sense that saying like, I think that they got it wrong. I do. I t- totally disagree with how that call went. Something to that effect. Like, you don't see the referees because they're not allowed to calling out players and going off and things like that. Let's keep it professional. But that's what the league allows. Like, look, if Luca's going to do it, Giannis, is, I don't want to see any of those guys doing it the way they do it. But, like, I don't want to see fucking Grant Williams doing it. I don't want to see average players doing it. And that's what the play, the coaches, that's what the league's allowing. And they don't, they don't go off in the players. They don't suspend. They don't highly fine players for doing it. And now you've got this and you find the guy 30 grand. The guy makes like 19, actually, let me get the number right now. He makes $21.2 million a year. That means he's making 10 million after taxes. 80 games, he's making about 120000 a game, which is averaging about, say, three games a week. He's making three hundred grand, and you find him, you, know, you find him about 10% of his pay after taxes. 
that means if you're making like, I don't know, you're making like a thousand a week, like at your regular job, they find you, I don't know, like a hundred bucks. That's basically what happened. It's a hundred bucks. You no, totally even less, mocked, even less, way less. Yeah, you mocked way, the way guy, less. you called him out, mocked him out. And then you, then you talked about the integrity of things. Look, I get it. In our world today with social media and you, you know, people that, especially in pro sports that are so revved up right after a game and they hit their phone, I get it. You could say some stuff that's a little fucked up, but as the NBA, if I was, if I was running the league, that would be a two game suspension for me. I want players to know that, look, you can talk about your, your, you're not happy about a call. There's ways to do it, but that's not it. And we're going to protect our referees because there's no need for that. There isn't. There's no need at all for that. I get it. You get heated technicals, thrown out of games and things like that. But you don't go in a press conference and you say, I'll just take the fine and then go at them. And then really not sympathetic to it after a day or two when they ask him about it again. And again, he's like a model pro. I mean, undrafted in 2016, has done what he's done, averaging 19 and 7. I mean, look, and you're going to make mistakes. And you'll make mistakes. But doing that, I don't, uh, I don't, I, I think it's unprofessional. I think the league needs to do more to protect referees on that. And good, look, referees don't get it right all the time. But you, when you're questioning their integrity, they take enough shit as it is from, you know, fans, from players, from, you know, during the game, everything during the game, you know, the websites. So what record teams have for certain referees, like they're thrown, they're thrown at it. And, and rightfully so, they're pros, like like NBA players, they're thrown under the, under the bus on some things. I get it. But you, I think, I think you got, you know, you could be upset at a referee, but doing it that way and the, and the NBA really not coming down on them harder was pretty disappointing to see. Definitely, yeah. You, you, I think you need to go a bit harder. I, I agree. Maybe a game suspension or, or at least a higher higher fine. But I think thirty k was pretty laughable. So, just interesting that how much that's come down to from back when I played and the stern era and whatnot. They came down iron fist on that kind of shit. Um, Jar Morant not charged uh, in Denver or Colorado where the gun was, you know, allegedly exposed on his on his live feed. So that's interesting. Um, how much longer do you think they keep him out, bro? Bogues, there's a lot of talk about 50 games. Um, really? Yeah, there's a lot of talk about that, CBA especially, but I don't know. In today's game, in today's age, and sort of how Adam Silver's been a little softer on players, maybe they'll maybe they'll go to court and sort of they'll meet you know mediation and, and try to get this you know get it you know, and players association will get it chopped down, whatever. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but I do think that the NBA is going to take a hard stance against it. I think that it wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play the rest of the time and the rest of the season. It wouldn't surprise me. Now, what will probably happen, the NBA is going to announce that he can play, you know, before the playoffs start, he can play. They're gonna they're gonna meet during the off season to talk about next season, you know, missing time and whatnot. They're not gonna want him to miss playoffs, in my opinion. The way that the league's been running the last few years, they they're not gonna want him to miss time in playoffs. Especially, you know, imagine trying to get like a Memphis, Golden State, Western Conference final or playoff setup. Like that's gonna that's gonna be big news, and you know. 
unfortunately, that's just how we think these days. I think you've got to take a hard line when, again, we talked about it before, like there's going to be an other John Morant. He's not, you know, irreplaceable in this league. Now, it might take a while to get another one, another player that good. But, like, you can't treat him like he's bigger than the league and just let it go. You've got paying fans. You've got people that eyeballs on this, you know, especially what's been happening with guns in in this world over the last, you know, shit, the last hundred years, right? But especially the last few years. Everybody takes this hard stance on it. With him just sort of coming, it's coming out that all these things happen, a couple of which had guns involved, in my opinion, you got to set a hard precedent. But I do think that maybe he'll miss about five more. And then within five, at least five games to go in the season or 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 less or, you know, um, or before, you're going to see him back in a Memphis lineup. What do you think, folks? What, what's your opinion on it? I'm not sure what tack they're going to take just because this hasn't happened for a long time. There's a Gilbert Arenas president, a president. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's... It's pretty alarming what's come out. Um, something needs to wake up John Morant to get away from this. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I have no idea. The way the league operates, like the fine that Van Vliet got was real light. There's been numerous suspensions in the past, this past couple of seasons or fines that have been real light. It's kind of like, I'd bet it's going to be light. But what does light mean? Does that mean 10 games? Does it mean, I mean, they, they want, they'd want him back for the playoffs, I think, because. Memphis is having a great year, um, but then again, Memphis is a small market. You probably don't you don't need them to do that well. So I, I don't know. I haven't, this is one I just can't answer because I don't know the mind of Adam Silver. I'd be going under as far as harshness in penalties. It'll be under how harsh it should be. But what does that mean? Um, so let, let's just hope he gets his shit straightened out. Yeah, you know, you know, you got a lot of stuff that's happening, folks. Like you got this, you got the Kyrie thing. Did you see Kyrie? Um, that like Instagram live or whatever he mm. had, like at the fire yep. at his house, like it like right coming home from a loss, I think against New Orleans. Uh, I want to say yep. that was that was the night. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. Like, you know, and with with Ja, I don't think it's in my opinion, look, I don't know. I don't know the guy at all. I, I don't have any intel, but like I don't think it's mental. I just think it's it's sort of, dude, you gotta close your circle up. You gotta tighten your shit up. Like, and, and then going, of course, he goes to the mental health thing. So everybody's got to back up. Oh, you know, job, get better, da, da, da. No, he's not sick. He just, you know, he just let this shit go too long. He let this shit go too far. He let too many people into his crew that, like, that's, that's fucking things up for him. You know, I, I never forget when I was working a camp for Nike in Phoenix and Amari Stoudemire spoke to the kids. And I, and I don't know if you've been around Amari too much. I love Amari. I think he's great, great dude. And he was saying, like, like he let shit go too far in his crew. He had 30 guys with him as rookie year. And 30 guys, that means 30 plane tickets. That's That means 30 hotel rooms. That means 30 watches when you buy a watch. That means 30 heads that you got to buy, you know, buy, you know, get into the club. Like, and you don't know what's going on with these people at all. And then they got influence on you without you even knowing it sometimes. And then it just gets too much. And then you got to clean that shit out. You know, I know he's young and all, but like, dude, you got to clean that shit out. You got a lot in the line. Like I said, he's going to make easily a billion dollars, right? And he's got a lot on the line. 
Because look, this NBA freight train, you think that everybody loves you, and they do right now, no doubt about it. There's a lot of people that love that kid as a player, person, whatever. But they will forget you in two seconds. Players, coaches, fans, media, like they'll move on to the next guy if you can't get your shit straight. Now, I wouldn't say it's like DEFCON 5. Like, I don't think it's like, you know, I, but I think that right now there's, he's got a, he's got a choice to make and a path. He's got two, you know, he's got two paths he could take. And I just think he's got to clean his shit up. But that Kyrie Irving thing was fucking, I mean, it's unbelievable, man. He's, he's a special dude. He is a special fucking guy. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that was interesting too. I mean, he basically went on a rant just saying, you know, fans judge me upon seeing me for three hours in an NBA gym. Um, then went on to, you know, people, uh, I guess, labeling him as woke or social justice warrior. Yeah. Um, uh, went on to, you know, kids and cobalt mines. <laughs> Just went on, went on all these random tangents. But uh, that's the career we expect. So he's he's going to continue to do that. It's it's interesting. I, I don't I don't I'm not against anyone coming out and saying whatever they want to say as long as it's not obviously. Perkins-ish, um, but yeah. it was interesting, and I think Dallas know what they've signed up for, and that's not going to change anytime soon. But uh, nothing suspension worthy, thank- thankfully. Um, yeah. And I think uh, that yeah, the John Morant one to me is a huge issue to see where that goes. What about this issue with um, guys doing their ankles in warm-ups, bro? This is crazy. I've never seen this. I've never both. I've run four years, six years of doing it for Dallas, eighty-two games. Plus probably pre-season. worked out three games. Yeah, plus preseason. I probably have done fourteen hundred minimum. I, I I've done about fourteen hundred pre-draft uh, pre-game workouts. That's never happened one time where a guy got hurt ever. That is the weird thing to me. And look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like. A, there's a lot of WebMD people like that that are sort of speak it out on this. Uh, it has to be this. It has to be that. I don't know what it is. But it's it's pretty alarming. I hope hope everything's gonna be okay. I hope it was just an accident. But like, and then when we were talking about what to put on the show, and then I w- saw the Kaminga thing because he was trending on Twitter, and then I saw that, and I was like, wow, that's crazy. It's all in that's one week. Cra- Insane. Yeah. So for those not familiar, um, John, uh, Kaminga from the Warriors and Kevin Durant from the Suns, obviously a big name. They they were doing their pregame. Uh, warm-ups, which, you know, guys like KD and that are probably going 80%, 90% for the most part, but KD was just doing a generic rip-through to get into the paint and shoot kind of like a floater or a layup and absolutely turned his ankle on what looked like a wet spot and then a day later, Kaminga did the same thing. So just some freak stuff that you just don't see over like Pro said. I, I never I never really saw anyone get hurt. I think I had one teammate hurt himself in warm-ups and that was because he landed on a foot in layup lines and that was – yeah, that wasn't even. I think that was in college. I think it wasn't even the pros. But why this is big is because Kaminga. They haven't really re- announced. I don't think Kaminga's is as bad. There's concerns from Phoenix Pro that KD could be done for the regular season, which is only 15 more games, and potentially the early pl- early playoff rounds. So, sounding like a two month odd injury, a six to eight weeker, uh, horrible timing for the Suns when they need to. You know, they needed to use these games to. We all know what KD is capable of, but. You, you need to know how to play with KD. You know, CP3 will pick it up quickly, but Booker and, um, you know, Aiden and, and then even the bench role players, a guy, Jock, you know, 
you want you want some familiarity with playing at different lineups. They're going to have lineups where KD is probably the point forward. When CP takes a break, or they're going to have lineups without KD. So you needed to use these 15 games for that to prepare you for a playoff series because as we know, there's a lot of adjustments and lineup changes in a playoff series. That, car, that rug's been now pulled from the feet, no pun intended, of, of the Phoenix Suns. I mean, they'll still take a an 80% KD in the second round if they can get there, but this severely hurts hurts them, I think, and just hurts their kind of uh, building up some consistency going into the playoffs, bro. So hopefully he's back sooner than later, but that's the that's the rumor mill. Um, you can't take these things for face value. You know, knowing, knowing the rumor mill, KD could be back in a week or two, but it is coming from the Suns apparently, um, and that is a huge, huge concern. Well, folks, I mean, he's got an injury history. We know about that, and it, it's a it's a big blow because he's been playing well. They've been playing well, and you know, to, for that to happen, you never want to see it. You know, he's out of all the players, especially the ones that we talk about at the top. I mean, there's no one, there's very few that are that you like watching more than him. He competes, he works hard, he takes care of his body. Um, he he's an outstanding player, one of the best that ever played. And to see that happen just on a non-contact, it's, you know, I just hope he gets better. I hope he gets, you know, I hope he just, you know, time. I just hope he's healthy, you know, time for the playoffs, whatever, whatever happens with that. Great. But I just want to see the guy healthy. He does things the right way. And you want to see, you want to see what guys like that really do well. And, uh, it's, it's like you said, it's going to be really tough, you know, heading into the playoffs if he's out for the rest of the remainder of it, or he's got to say he gets in there, you know, second round. Um, if that happens, it's just tough to get, you know, to get going and get a little momentum going into the playoffs. You always want that, especially when you acquire somebody at, at trade deadline. So, you know, hopefully he, hopefully things work out. Like he's a tremendous player, tremendous, you know, good dude. You know, so you, you definitely want to see, definitely want to see him do well. I agree. Yeah. I mean, he's, he needs to be out there for them to, to have any chance. So we'll see how that all goes. Uh, just finally, the Dylan Brooks, Draymond Green beef um, has gone backwards and forwards. I mean, Dylan Brooks was asked about Draymond a week or so ago, and he said that you know I'm a better player than Draymond. Draymond just in the right situation. If you put him in a different um, a different team, he wouldn't be successful. And that's been a rhetoric by many people um, over the years. Um, Anyway, anyhow, uh, Draymond went on his podcast and, and absolutely lit up Dylan Brooks and just said that you know he's basically the cancer of the team, essentially um, that no one no one likes him there and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you know they they played and then Dylan Brooks got the last laugh with the win. A lot of this is theatrics, but I like it. Bro. I, don't, I don't mind this. This is the new age, you know, bad boys versus the Lakers or Boston. This is the way of doing it. I think it's good. I think it creates some hype going into these regular season games. Um, I mean, you know, Draymond maybe did he go too far with saying, you know, some of the things he did. Did Dylan Brooks go too far? Who knows? But I don't mind a little bit of beef, bro. I think it's 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 a watered-down league for the most part. We all know a lot of the fakeness on the court with when the lights are on, you know, um, guys pretending like they wanted to fight. We've spoken about it at length when, when it never really happens. I, I don't mind a bit of this, bro. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I, I like a little beef going into these regular season games. Yeah, for sure. Look, you know, it's just the way that the NBA has been going the last five or six years and the way it's going in the future, it's like it's fake tough guy stuff and, 
never nothing really ever comes of it. You might have a Twitter post or an Instagram post or whatever, you know, some passive aggressive, some cryptic thing, and that's it. You, you try to start a fight, but you know 22 people are going to hold you back, you know, so it's like whatever. But these two guys going at it, I think it's good. It's good for their rivalry. I wouldn't really call it much of a rivalry, obviously, with the organizations where Golden State is versus what Memphis is. But, yeah, I mean, you definitely want to see it. I definitely want to see it, for sure. Like, it just makes it, you know, there's no real rivalries in the NBA anymore anyway. There's, you know, there's teams that meet each other in the finals or playoffs once in a while, but you don't really get any sort of bad blood. Um, I don't really care what's said because half the stuff that's said between both parties are going to be bullshit anyway just to get the other one going. Um, So I don't really know or care if people hate Brooks and, you know, Oh, Draymond is what he is. Like he's gonna, he he's the guy that stirs stuff up. You know, he's the Ron Artest. When I worked for Kobe, Ron Artest was like that for the Lakers. He was the one who stirred stuff up. Didn't do it. He wasn't as charismatic and well spoken like Draymond is on this. You know, like he just sort of did it with some of the you know antics in the court. But yeah, fuck it. Why not? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like Draymond, you know, Draymond's not gonna shut up. Dylan Brooks ain't gonna shut up. You know, so it's it's good to see. I'm surprised Dylan Brooks didn't attack Draymond on his love for LeBron James, though. That's one thing that like I expected out of out of Dylan on this one, because you know Draymond's <laughs> got that fucking weird fascination with LeBron. But besides that, yeah, it's good to see, man. I like I like to see these guys staring it up a little bit. They're not gonna fight on the court, so you might as well have a good back and forth, like you know, ball breaking session, you know, through the media or through interviews or press conferences or whatever. So, you know, whatever they, the, the, the you know, the, they could, they could fight it out on fucking, you know, on like, you know, pay-per-view or something like that for charity. Who knows? I don't mind. At least it's honest. Like you said, it's not cryptic. They went at each other and yeah, um, it, will, it will be an interesting playoff series if it happens. So um look forward to that. All right, onto our Aussie watch brought to you by Dabble. Follow Dabble, the social betting experience where you can follow anyone from your best mate to me, Andrew Bogut, all one word. Go on, give me a follow, copy bets, and jump into the banner channel and have a chat. Download the app, have a Dabble. Dabble socially, make sure you gamble responsibly. Aussie watch, not a whole lot this week just because we're doing the pot a day earlier. For those not familiar, if you haven't noticed, uh, Ben Simmons still out injured. Dyson Daniels playing a little bit better, three points, 4.5 rebounds, three assists per game this week. So he's back in the in the rotation. Uh, played well against Dallas, actually, where, where Luca got hurt. But um, he's doing well. Delhi had one game this week um, in the lineup where he played 16 minutes um, to assist two rebounds versus New Orleans. So uh, he's back in the lineup. Patty Mills got in the lineup pro and had a big, big game. Um, DNP's leading into this game against Milwaukee and DNP straight after it, but played one game. And he had 23.7 rebounds, four assists versus Milwaukee. So in a loss, um, but back in the lineup for a game, had a hell of a game thinking, you know, shit, I might be back in the lineup at least for some some minutes, but uh, DNP the very next game. So not sure what's going on there. Jock, four points, four rebounds this week. Giddy, um, 13.5 points, nine rebounds, 11 assists a game this week. And... He had uh, 15 points, 17 assists, and 11 rebounds versus the Warriors. So huge, huge line there in, in that big win. Thibel, 3.3 points, two rebounds, one and a half assists, one steal per game. So his numbers have come down a little bit. Joe Ingles has finally 
got back into good form over the last week or two. Nine points, 5.5 rebounds, five assists and one steal and shooting the ball at a, at a good clip from three again. Jack White, no real minutes there. Um, a little bit of garbage time. And Josh Green, five points, two rebounds, one assist. So uh, Josh Giddy will get it again this week, averaging just under a triple-double. He needed one more rebound a game and would have had a triple-double for the week. So he'll get that nod, but uh, not a lot of games this week to, to judge too much on the Aussies of the week, bro. Yeah, I mean, Giddy's going to just continue to do it. I mean, who the fuck can even come close to the guy? You know, I know Patty had yep. that one game that he exploded on, but like, not really a lot of competition for the guy. Might as well just give him whatever award we're going to give him. The dabble. <laughs> oh no, that's been that's been locked up ever since Ben Simmons spiral. I thought Ben was the only one that would have a chance to true, true to yeah. compete for Aussie of the week, and then he spiraled into. Injuries and bad form and not playing well. Like Josh Goody's just, I think he's won it. What do we have here? This would be his his uh, eleventh Aussie of the week. So I think uh, the only other winners we've had were Ben Simmons win one, and we've had I think Thibel got one and Josh Green got one. So it's a lock. Not enough weeks left in the season for anyone to steal it. Can we combine three Aussies and and combine their three <laughs> numbers versus his numbers next week to see if they even equal out? Like Joe Thibel and Joe Thibel yeah. and uh in in Wandale and just Yeah, see. that'd be that'd be decent. That'd be that'd be almost a triple double. Uh but no. Um <laughs> yeah, Giddy's Giddy's a front runner for this award and I'd, I'd be a gambling man. I'd say he's gonna be the front runner for it for a long, long time as far as the Aussies go, because I've been having a hell of a year, hell of a career, and he'll continue to get better. All right, <laughs> NBL. So it is game day today, pro. That's why we're doing the, the pod a day earlier. So for everyone not familiar, I'm in New Zealand as we speak in the hotel room getting this podcast done for all you people so that the links that we both go to. But we play New Zealand tonight in game four. It was 1-1 as of last podcast. So Sydney got the huge win on Friday night in, in Sydney. Um, a record crowd, pro. 18, over 18,000, the highest NBL crowd ever in NBL history we're in Sydney so we thank all the fans for coming out uh, it was beautiful to see it was an amazing atmosphere um, the Kings came away with with the goods uh, it was a a pretty back and forth game in the first half the first half basketball was was really fun to watch and made comment to Luke Longley a few other people saying that this is actually a really fun game to watch if you're a neutral fan like it was back and forth we made a run they made a run uh, unfortunately, the second half for New Zealand, they only scored 21 points in the second half, I believe, and, and we ended up having a pretty easy win um, and you know, going back to New Zealand tonight. So it'll be a really interesting game. Uh, both Xavier Cooks and Walton played unencumbered minutes on Friday night after their injuries last week. So they were back in the lineup and played fine. Um, a, a bunch of bunch of guys stepped up in that game. It was a real, real good team effort. Uh, New Zealand just couldn't score in that second half, and um, a lot of a lot of fouling. Uh, New Zealand are notoriously highest fouling team um, of the past season statistically, and they hold and they grind, and that's the way they play physically. And they got called for a lot of them. There are a lot of fans saying, "Oh, the foul call was un- unfair and whatnot." But the if, if you watch the game um, and and know statistically how New Zealand play, that's how they they try to dictate the, tem- the tempo with their physicality. And they got called for the fouls. So um, early on, it was the refs kind of didn't blow much. And then uh, second half, there was a lot of fouls. So big game tonight, Pro. Uh, hopefully, it ends in game four. Um, you know what's funny, Pro? So as, as owners, we make more money with the more finals games we have at home, right? So sure. um, I joke about it you know, with our majority owner. Like, I'm not going to say the number. But if there's a game five, we make a shitload more money. 
because we go mm. back to Sydney. So it's like, you know, we don't want a game five though. Like we know we're going to make, it's it's one of those things as a business, from a business point of view, if you were just a, a guy in a suit and a financial person, you'd want a game five because you're like, I'm going to, we're going to, as a club, we're going to make this much more money, which we can reinvest into our roster next season. Mm-hmm. But as a competitor, you're like, nah, fuck that money. Like let's wrap it up in game four. So it's an interesting dynamic with the way it works in the NBL. So um, just a small little tidbit. And one other little tidbit pro, um, mm-hmm. you might like this. So, so yesterday, I, I, the reason why I bring it up is because I was on a flight from from Sydney to um, to to New Zealand, and <laughs> it, 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 both teams are on the same flight because it's commercial. Really? So, <laughs> yeah. So, and not only that, the refs are on the same flight. So <laughs> it that. makes for a really interesting dynamic. So yeah, like you 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 take for granted being in the NBA and even Euro League where everyone's got their own private jets and charters yeah. and. This is this is just you know you're back on commercial and you know guys that were going at it talking shit you know the night before in the game and a bit argy bargy are now like standing next to each other in the you know in line to get on plane um, to get on the plane and then you got referees as well so it's just like this whole weird dynamic you're walking past the refs and they're sitting there and saying hello to players and then you got players that just got into it last night trying to be amicable like it was. It was really funny. It's a cool dynamic. It's just different, right? And you, you're all hanging out in the terminal waiting for your plane, bro. That's crazy. I, I don't think I've <laughs> ever heard of that. Even in the old school NBA where, you know, where, where they would go, where they would just, they would fly commercial. I don't think I've ever heard of that. That's That's got to be pretty interesting, man. You know, that's yeah. Be thankfully, nothing happens. I don't think anything has happened um, historically. I don't think there's been some close calls. I believe with some guys that have gone after it, but um, nothing's ever happened. And the worst place you're going to do it is on a plane, obviously. But yeah, it, it is an interesting dynamic in the, especially in a final series where by game two, three, four of any final series, I don't care if you're playing checkers or chess or monopoly, like you're going to end up hating each other because it's just this guy again or this girl again. I'm sick of seeing you. Like uh, you know, so um, yeah, interesting dynamic there, but. Some some free agency news now, pro. Uh, free agency doesn't start till the end of the month, right? Um, mm-hmm. And as we both know, there's no agents or clubs talking to players until the league says they can, right? You know, that's just the rule. Though. No, no teams would break that rule, right? So wink, wink. There's a rumor. Yeah, there's a rumor that Gorja Gak has signed with Perth. We've heard it. Uh, I've heard it. Everyone's heard it. It's pretty much confirmed. But the, the league's not too happy about it because free agency doesn't start till uh, late late March. So. I'd give everyone a tip. Free agency starts whenever, wherever, there's no date. The league will say it starts on this day. I can tell you, you know, the same as the NBA. Um, it's July 1 and deals are already done. And then literally as soon as July 1 hits in the NBA or as soon as the end of March hits in the NBL, you have like 30 signings that just all happen the first day. It doesn't work that way. Everyone's already negotiated. Everyone's already got a deal in principle. Um, is it tampering? Isn't it? discussion for another day but if someone's coming off contract um, you, the agent's already making calls to teams trying to get their their value up and trying to negotiate you know if your player's worth 200 and you've got teams offering 150 then you go to another team and say well we've got 150 here you need to give us X that's how it works and teams obviously are already you know starting to recruit and starting to make those calls so um, I know the league's not happy with it that it got leaked but that's the reality of it for fans. These conversations are happening, so don't be too surprised. And Chris Goulding has signed in uh, France with Paris Basketball, former Sydney Kings coach Will Weaver. So Goulding's going to be their shooter over there in France for a couple of a couple of months, which is awesome. And that's the beauty of the NBL, bro. Like you can you can um, 
pick up a few, uh, you know, a job at the end of the season. Some guys go to Puerto Rico, some guys go to Europe, some guys go to Asia. So you can make a little bit more money, put some more money in your account. I think it'll be pretty useful over there. Folks, so if like, say Sydney signs somebody for three years, right? They can't, Mm -hmm. can they go to Puerto Rico after year one and then go back to you guys? How, How does that, how does that work? So the, you, it's all negotiable. Generally speaking, with imports, they're hired guns. So even if they're on a two-year deal, they won't. They won't. They'll, they'll allow themselves an out to go and play somewhere else in the off season. Right. There are circumstances where that doesn't happen. Bryce Cotton, who is the best import in the league, the Perth Wildcats. I believe his three-year deal is a three-year. You're staying in Perth pretty much the whole year. Right. Um, so we're going to use you in the off season for Cavs. We're going to use you to promote the game. He'll get his. He'll get a little break, but it's not like an you know, you're gone for the whole off season. Right. Um, it all depends. And then injury history plays a part um, because we still have to release, uh, we still have to release players to be able to go um, and play technically per FIBA rules. So there's the risk of them, they're out of contract. So look, look, I mean, I think it's a good thing you want players playing in the off season. We had Xavier Cooks go to the New Zealand National League last, last off season. He won the MVP there. So it was real good for him, real good for the club, real good for the league because they're getting better. So we, we're generally pretty pretty pro it. The only time we'd be kind of against it is if a guy's got an injury history or if he's a Bryce Cotton type and if you can keep him, you keep him. But most agents won't allow it. Okay. Yeah, I figure. I just I just was wondering like if, if you know, Puerto Rico says, hey, come for two months or, you know, I could see EuroLeague being a problem or China being a problem. But like, you know, a league like Puerto Rico that was so short and condensed that I thought that maybe they would let them do it, but nah, I was interested in that stuff. But that that is that is pretty interesting. Good for him. Yep, sure is. But uh, yeah, good for him and, and good for for yeah Paris basketball and and and, and Will Weaver. So we'll see how that all goes. I know they're they're a newly formed club. I believe they've only been around for four or five years, so they're trying to trying to find their way there. All right, useful or useless. Speaking of Josh Giddy earlier, he's the youngest player in NBA history with a fifteen, sorry, a seventeen assist triple double, or minimum of fifteen. He got seventeen, but minimum of fifteen assist triple double. Pro, useful, or useless? That's useless. It's one time. Now it's pretty cool. Don't get me wrong, but um, you know, I think it could be one of those things that could be a random deal. Um, if it was something like long term average or what have you, I would say useful. But just a one time. I'm, I'm, I'm a huge Giddy fan, but. Just a one-time, like a one-off deal. I would say that uh, even though it is a very hard thing to do, I think it's you know, it's one of those random things. Guy got 15 assists and a triple-double. What do you think, Bogues? Yeah, I think it's – I don't think it's that useful, but, you know, when you take into consideration LeBron James and um, these kind of stars that haven't hit that number, it's pretty cool, and you know, it's a pretty cool number to have um, to hit if, if you can do it statistically and beat something that LeBron did. But in the grand scheme of things, I think it's pretty useless. I think it's just a it's a great line to have, but doesn't really move the needle for anything for me. So I would agree there. All right, best defensive ratings amongst qualified players. Pro, who would you say is number one without looking at the sheet this week? No, I didn't, I'm not looking at the sheet. So best defensive rating. Um... I'm going to go Player. off the wall. I'm going to go Walker Kessler from Utah. No, he's not in the top 10. Okay. But good good, good attempt. Good attempt. Um, probably not qualified minutes-wise. Oh, I'm not sure. It, pro- it, has it, to it be proves I wasn't looking at the sheet, though, which is good. It does. It does. Yeah, very good. Um, Jaron Jackson Jr., ah. number one. Uh-huh. Number two, I never would have guessed, Javon Carter. 
the Milwaukee no, Bucks. No, w- wouldn't wouldn't have guessed at all. No, would not have guessed. Number three, Dennis Smith Jr. Nice, good for Dennis. Love yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So some names in here that you know. Caruso, four, you'd expect that. Desmond Bain, five, expect that. Six, Brook Lopez, pretty expect, okay. Seven, Dylan Brooks, yep. Uh, eight, Larry Nance Jr. makes it. So very, very good one through five switch guy, good intangibles guy. And nine is Giannis. So yeah, I, Javon Carter, obviously some of that plays into playing with Giannis, but I mean, to be number two in the league, I didn't think he was that good of a defender. So some shocking – and Dennis Smith Jr. having a great year as well defensively, which is pretty cool. But useful or useless stats, bro? Uh, see, I'm torn boats because you know how I am with the defensive offensive rating deal. Um, I'm going to have to – I'm going to have to just go with, with the fact that uh, – yeah, I'm going to say useless because I have, I have no fucking idea if that's even – you know, what, what that constitutes. So I, I don't see Javon Carter as that type of a defender – and he plays with Giannis and Brooke Lopez, who's the best defensive center in the league. I'm going to say it's a little bit useless. I think it's like sort of like the guy who leads the league in plus minus. So I'm going to say no. I'm going to say useless on that one, folks. What do you think? I'm going to go useful. I'm going to go useful just based on some names in there that I wouldn't have thought, you know, would be that highly rated defensively, especially, you know, Javon Carter and Dennis Smith Jr. So... Um. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I don't, I'm not too much into the analytical formulas of how they get to these ratings, but I know it's a good thing if you're if you're top ten in defensive ratings. So right. <laughs> leave it at that. But um, seeing some names in there that you wouldn't really see is pretty interesting. All right, another quiz for you. Most dunks this season, bro. <sighs> Most dunks this season. 173 for the leader. Oof. 173. Hold on. Just give me a second. I'm not. I don't have any data on this at all i'm just looking at teams real quick just so i could give get an idea i mean off the top i'd say Giannis, but he probably hasn't played enough so i'm gonna go give me one second let me see john morant no not john morant i'm gonna go it's a big guy i'm gonna go oh the kid from um brooklyn um not sharp is it sharp? Hold on. It's going to be Nick Claxton, I'm going to guess. No, not in the top four, ah. um, but good good guess. First is Evan Mobley, 173 dunks for oh, Evan wow. Mobley. Uh, number two is Jared Allen, who is his teammate. Wow. So <laughs> they're dunking the shit out of him in Cleveland. Rudy Gobert, obvious one with 159, and then Giannis with 158. So always an interesting stat to see who's got the most dunks. Useful or useless? useful i guess top dunker i mean it's uh i think it's wait a minute no i'm gonna go useless i would say interesting for sure but just because you dunk a lot doesn't i don't i don't know what it would be useful for that's what i'm saying what what do you think on that folks yeah torn i I agree with that i think it's a it's a cool stat just to see who's who's thrown down the most dunks i think it's useful if you're scouting cleveland (laughs) you got two guys that a leading league in dunks at one and two. So you want to try to, on your scouting report, you know, box them out, make sure they're not in the paint. But um, in the grand scheme of things, I'd go more, more towards the useless side. So I agree with that. Yeah. Okay. What do you have this week? Fact or fake news? Bogues, I got just three quick ones. So we're talking about, you know, we got some things happening with John Morant. We got some things happening with Durant. You know, obviously that could affect him long term. 
Um, we'll, we'll start off, though, with Sacramento Kings. We talked about how Sacramento's second. Do you see Sacramento getting to the conference final? Fact or fake news? You do see him get to the Western Conference final. Fact or fake news? Uh, fake news. I don't think they're there yet. I think they've had a tremendous year. I like what they're doing. I like what they're building. But as I said earlier, I think they're still a piece away. I think they need one more piece, another veteran star to bring into that group or or, or mid-tier star. A la Andrew Wiggins, a la someone like that. They can bring in, plays a really good role at a high level and can get you a bucket if need be as an emergency. So I don't think they're a conference finalist yet. I think, to be honest, if they make the second round, um, I think that's a – which they should, you know, but let's say Golden State finishes in that bottom <laughs> that bottom four in a plane, you know, the Kings could potentially be facing Golden State or the Lakers. Um, and the Lakers will even be a tough beat if they're healthy. So, yeah, I don't, I don't see them going to conference finals. I think second round is their, uh, is their peak this season, Pro. Yeah, I, I would say – I would say fake news as well. I can't see them – I don't see them yet doing it. I, I do think that they've done a great job. I think they've done a, gr- a really good job putting some foundation down and now, you know, maybe make it a couple of tweaks in the offseason, maybe with um, with free agency, you know, some minor trades to get some higher level, higher level role players. So I, I would say that uh, fake news, but... I think they're on, uh, you know, if Fox and those guys could stay healthy and keep doing what they're doing, I think that they definitely could have a chance to uh, to make some noise, but just not just not this year. Just not this year. All right, folks, um, you got Kevin Durant out, right? We don't know how long, but let's just say hypothetical. Hypothetical, he comes back at the end of the first round of the playoffs. Hasn't played... Maybe ramped up some three on three, um, but hasn't played. The Phoenix Suns, with him in the lineup, starting on second round of the playoffs, will make the finals. Fact or fake news? That's assuming they get through the first round, right? Yes, yes, yes. As, yes. as of today, I don't have them beating the Clippers in a first round series. Right. Not right. without KD. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, well, that's a good one. Oh, uh, wow. Um, I'm going to go f- fake news just based on what I said. I, d- I don't think they're going to have enough continuity together, enough consistency to play together to just turn it on in a playoff series. I think they need a, you know, how many games has KD played for Phoenix? Five? Something like five, Maybe. yeah. Ten, yeah. Ten. yeah, it's not enough games. You got, And their rotations and money's got to figure out, you know, which bigs play better in the second unit now. Who, who can I play with KD as a big? Can I play KD in the lineup without Booker and CP? Then the reverse lineup. So, they haven't figured that out yet, and you need to figure that out. You can't. You can't. I'm a firm believer in the Clippers. Like we've discussed it, till the cows come home, like till death, right? Like you can't just turn it on. You can't just load manage guys and not have them line up because you need consistency. You need a. F- I know your weaknesses. Hey, I, I know I got to have my teammates back here because he's not good at guarding post ups. Or hey, we're not when 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 Katie drives middle. I got to space to this corner because that's where he likes to look for me. All that kind of stuff. You that that can that can't be written on a whiteboard. It can't be. You can watch it in film, but until you physically getting that that feel for how guys like to play, that's why Golden State are generally have been so good with with Steph Clay and Draymond is because it's automatic. It's not shit that they go over. They just know, you know. Okay, I back cut here. I'm going here. I'm going there. Down screen, up screen, back cut, hand off, roll. You know, it's just automatic. Um, Phoenix aren't there yet. Now they have high basketball IQ players that will pick it up quickly, 
but they need a bit of they need a bit of consistency with their lineup. So I'm going to go fake news, even if he's back early, and he's probably going to back. He's going to be back to a a minute limit. Um, especially, I don't know what ankle it is. Hopefully, it's not the one that he did his Achilles on. So, you know, there's concerns there as well. Even if it's his other ankle, you know, whenever you do an ankle or a knee, you know, most times on your comeback, uh, team docs and physios are more worried about your other side, your other leg. They're more worried about your other knee or your other ankle. We went through it with with, with Xavier Cooks when he had his his injury to his quad last week. You know, we're, we're more worried about his knee and his other knee because you, all of a sudden you're overcompensating on one side. So even with KD back, he's not going to be playing 35 minutes straight away. So I'm going to fake news that. Yeah, I, I fake news it as well. I, I think back to, and it's a, it's a different different deal, but remember in the playoffs, Bogues, a bunch of years ago when Amari Stoudemire had the microfracture and he came back in the playoffs and he just like, he hasn't played and he just rehabbed yeah. it and it just didn't look good. Now it's different, of course, different. But um, different injury, different, way different situation. But yeah, I can't see them going to the finals with him. Um, just getting in there in the second round, I, I don't think that that'll be something that I would I would feel comfortable or confident saying that they were going to do. So yeah, I would say fake news on that. All right, Bogues, John Morant. Let's just say he's out the rest of the time. Is the Memphis Grizzlies good enough without without John Morant to get to a conference final? Actually, you know what? Let's split it up into two questions. Are they good enough to win a playoff series without John Morant? Say if they're in the second or third seed in the West. And then second question, if you do decide to say yes, are they good enough to get to a conference final without him? Because remember, he's, they've played well without him. I mean... I'll give you a little background. They're 31 and 21. Thank you, StatMuse. I looked that up as we were talking. Um, 31, 21 all time without John Morant, which is pretty good, you know, considering. Uh, 10 games mm-hmm. over 500. So, A, I think they're going to get fake, out of the first round. Uh, fake news. No, they're not. So, I don't even need B of your question because I'm oh, saying wow. fake news. I, I, I don't think they're getting out because you need you need a jam around in the playoffs. And where they're, where they're sitting right now, let's say they finish third, I don't think they fall to four because KD's out now, but I think they're going to solidify three. Um, maybe they can nip sack, but either way, they're going to be facing Dallas, Dallas, maybe the Clippers, uh, maybe Golden State. Um, all right, Minnesota. Even Minnesota will be tough, I think, without Jar. You need... You need that oomph and you're going to need that star factor in a playoff series. Now, you don't need them for the whole course of the series, these star players, but there's going to be a grind-out game that's important. It might be might be 1-1 going to Golden State for game three and you need that game three to be – that's the game John Morant makes his name for himself even further than it already is. Like that's why he's John Morant, right? You know, I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in anyone else in that roster changing the game the way Jar can in a grind out playoff game where nothing's going right. And you need that. We we both we've been through this. We've been through playoff series, I've been through finals, like Steph Curry, Clayton. You need that star factor room at one point one point in every single series you go, right? And that's why I think it's I, I, especially in the West, the West is so tight, man. You know, the West is so tight. Even a healthy New Orleans. Um, which I don't think is going to happen. We haven't touched on this, but Zion's saying going to be out even longer now, um, crazy. which is which is interesting. But but yeah, like even those playing teams could could you know 
The Lakers get healthy. Minnesota's still a solid team. Golden State, Dallas, Clippers. Like, none of those are easy beats compared to... Look, I think the East have some some easy beats in those playing games. You look at Washington, Toronto, Atlanta. Even Miami haven't been as good. I think Brooklyn, you could argue, you could probably get beaten in the playoffs. But you look at the West and even, even down to the ninth seed, you know, even a half-healthy New Orleans, even without Zion, you're still like, man, they'll still compete. Look at what they did to the Suns a couple of seasons, you know, last season. So... Um, I'm, I'm going to have to fake news it. Yeah, that's that. That's interesting. I see. The thing is now, which it's funny. These things are happening in twos with New Orleans. Ingram's out too, right? On top of Zion and Ingram. I know. He's back now. I think. Okay, he's back. He's been back. Okay, good. Yeah, he's back now. Yeah. And yeah. with Memphis, he got hurt again last night. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Uh, the only thing I saw him is he had street clothes biting Alvarado uh, during the game. Yeah. What the hell was it? Dude. That was that was very strange. He looks very like strange. a vampire as it is, or some kind of a mythical creature. So that's uh, that's interesting that you know that he would do something like that on the sideline. But that was pretty funny. But with Memphis, um, Stephen Adams out for the rest of the season. Uh, regular season. Is is that confirmed, is it? I think so, yeah. Regular season, not playoffs, but regular okay. season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I think I just read that yesterday. Um, so th- that's pretty interesting. But, yeah, I say fake news, but I think they could take a team to seven games in the first round without them. But um, I think they really do need them, especially without Adams, too. To you know, the, I mean, obviously he's a huge part, and Adams a small part. But I think Adams' toughness and rebounding and all that is uh, it'll be too much. So yeah, I would say not going to the conference finals, not even getting to be like you. I would say fake news in the first. They're not getting out of the first round. Agree. All right, wraps up another episode. Thanks for joining us at Rogue Bogues on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook at Hoop Consultants for Pro on Instagram and Twitter. Um, go Kings tonight, and we'll see you next week, Pro. All right, well, good luck, and I'll see you next week. Let's get rogue.